have my sports. Today is Saturday, March 23rd, 2019. Time for episode 78 of the Barnhart Podcast. And there's uh, news about the New Zealand shooter. Yes, you were... Were you officially doing a Lenten fast from from news, or was that just a coincidence that that happened in your schedule? It was coincidental. Partly, I was going through this podcast that um, the aforesen- aforementioned Rick had uh, passed along to me, and I've been um, studying some other things. And I had seen something about something having happened in New Zealand, and it's like, okay, fine, that's mainstream news. And at the moment, I really don't care. I haven't been listening to any podcasts of late, just this one topic and then when uh, the priest mentioned it from the pulpit and prayers for, um, I forget the exact context, but when, when the, the local priest mentioned it from the pulpit, it kind of made me think, okay, what in the world actually happened to New Zealand? And then when I got the note from you that we want to talk about, I was like, okay, I'm going to go do some studying now. And um, yeah, I, I, the, the irony about this to me is the guy had this manifesto uh, about fighting invaders and he was talking about Muslim invaders, ironic, uh, or, or allegedly. But this guy is an Australian who invaded New Zealand and committed an act of terrorism. He should have shot himself by his own logic. Well, you know, intellectual consistency is never terribly big with people who are crazy and do things like this. Um, but it's it's really stimulated a, a fascinating and worthwhile conversation about because the guy uh, apparently streamed the whole thing on Facebook Live. And then, of course, people were able to capture that video and redistribute it so that, you know, I don't know how many people, millions and millions and millions of people watched in real time this entire massacre. And, of course, instantly, you know, Zuckerberg land starts wiping this off of Facebook, obviously. And then, uh, but what really is is interesting and and frightening is that New Zealand is now putting people in prison and denying them bail for simply having, um, you know, hosted or or respread this this video. And what Carl Denninger over at MarketTicker.org brought up is, you know, this is they don't want people to see. Um, Basically, what happened is that all the people who were inside the mosque did exactly the wrong thing when someone starts in, when there's an active shooter situation, someone walks in and starts spraying. They all ran and huddled in a corner like a ginormous, you know, haystack of humanity. And the guy, apparently, I've not watched the video, but the guy apparently just stands there and just sprays into this haystack of humanity. And that's how he manages to kill. I don't know what the latest death toll is. The last death toll I saw was 50, but there were still a bunch of people missing, which I didn't quite understand because, you know, it was it was contained in these two mosques, mosques I thought. But Denninger's point was is that they don't want you to see this because they they don't want you to see and understand the dynamics of what you should do and the and really the only earthly hope you have of defending yourself in this sort of a situation because these people are all rabidly looking to eliminate all firearms from civilians and put them solely in the hands of Soros, Zuckerberg, um, you know, Bezos, whoever it is, you know. Um, and so they don't want people to see 
how, you know, you're just completely help, nearly completely helpless in a situation like this if no one has anything to fight back with. Um, no, no leveling of the, of the tactical space with, with firearms and concealed carry and things like that, armed security guards, et cetera. Um, and, but this stimulated then then the discussion because it's surprising to me that more of this hasn't happened. Um, I see that there was yesterday or day before yesterday a priest in Canada was knife attack. Somebody just walked up to this priest who was saying mass. He was on the altar, and the guy just walked up and knifed this priest. It's surprising to me that more of these things haven't been happening. Um, so. The big lesson, and I think it was you that mentioned this to me, and I, I hadn't seen this until until it was pointed out. One of the things that happened in the mosque deal in New Zealand is okay. The guy the guy sprays and unloads. Uh, I think it was a, a pistol. Drops it. It's spent. Okay, he drops his own gun, and then he then he starts in. I think with a rifle, and somebody comes along and picks up his own spent gun, empty gun, but then holds it and points it at him and starts running at him, pointing his own gun at him. And it's it's a really fascinating case of what um, tunnel vision does to you when, when you're in a situation like that, including the, the evil malefactor shooter. He's in a sort of a tunnel vision too. So the shooter doesn't even realize that the guy who's running at him, pointing this, this pistol at him, is pointing his own empty pistol at him. And that's actually what got the guy to stop shooting and run out. And then I think he jumped in his car and he went to the next, he went to the next place. But anyway, it was, it was the fact that the guy picked up this empty gun and was just, you know, just pointing a gun at him. And the, the shooter didn't put two and two together and just figured that the guy had actually had a gun, even though it was empty and he never fired a shot at him, obviously. Yeah, I did. It's, I did see that video and I hope I can go find it. I left the tab open on my on on the uh, browser. So hopefully I can go back and find that. And if I would have realized the significance when I saw that, I didn't realize it wasn't known. I would have downloaded it immediately to mirror it offline. So hopefully I can find that. And if I do, I'll put it in the show notes. But that was something I thought was kind of bizarre. So it was a guy who was being heralded as a hero for picking up the rifle that the the uh, shooter had dropped because he, he, he finished with it and then went to a secondary rifle and was reloading yeah. and using that. So the guy... Was the first one a rifle? Was it a rifle I, or was I it wanted, a pistol? I think it was a rifle. And, and the guy okay, who picked okay. it up yelled at him and said, hey, stand still so I can shoot you or something, whatever it was he said. And yeah. and, and uh, the shooter realized that somebody, he was looking down the barrel of, of a gun. It didn't, I don't think it, yeah, yeah, he didn't stop to think about whether or not it was his own gun. He yeah. cursed at the guy and took off and then went to the next... Um, the next mosque apparently, but uh, the guy who picked up you know, battlefield pickup of an empty rifle, he's being heralded as a, as, as a hero for running the guy off. Now that was the context of the, of, of the video. I hope I can find that. And if so, I'll put it in the show notes. And if not, I'm, I apologize, but um, yeah, that, that I saw that when I, I um, saw what, what topic you wanted to talk about. And I said, okay, I need to do some research about that. So I went to YouTube and did a search on it and found a bunch of videos. And that was one that came up and I mentioned to you and you hadn't heard of this. So, I hope well, it's, it's still really out there. It, it, well, it, I, I'm sure it is. It's still out there. It's just it's been you know it's been shut down in New Zealand or whatever, and they're throwing people in the clink. But the whole tunnel vision thing, um, I went to I went to Front Sight numerous times and took numerous um, um, 
courses and and you know week long deals at at front site and i remember the first time that i was on the um the tactical shotgun course and it is you know you're running from berm to berm and then you have to hit a target and run to the next berm but then you know there's there's these little pop up guys you know <laughs> it was funny the, the instructors i think they knew who i was and you know as as and they go with you they escort you through it and they're kind of helping you and and giving you advice and so on and so forth but you're going through and you have complete tunnel vision all you're focused on is you know you're trying to hit you're trying to hit the target that you're shooting at you know when you're shooting over a berm or whatever and you know i'm i'm there firing at this target and the instructor would would, would say um okay mohammed just blew your head off and I, he say he'd say look over there look to your look to your two o'clock and sure enough here's this little pop-up guy who has a, has totally has a shot on me and has just you know figuratively blown my head off. But he says, "Oh, that's okay. Keep just keep going, keep going." But you know, you got to have you got to have better awareness. So you hit the target, you run across, you run to the next berm, you get yourself in position, you're aiming at the next target, and you know you're shooting. And the instructor says, "Okay, check your check your ten o'clock." Muhammad just blew your head off again. You know, you get such intense tunnel vision when you're when you're in a situation like that and that I mean that was a fake situation you know and you know it's a fake situation I mean you're trying to do your best and everything and it's physically intense oh man you get to the end you get to the end of those those courses and you just be panting just from the sheer not just the physical exertion but the mental exertion of it it is just absolutely exhausting to the point where your brain is working so hard that it you're panting at the end but it was funny because they they keep saying to me uh muhammad just blew your head off yeah muhammad check check your nine o'clock you got a muhammad on you <laughs> it was so you know the, and the other thing they drilled into us is when you're in a serious situation you're going to be at maximum at 40 percent of whatever competence level you're at when you're on the range so you you have to anticipate that if you get into any sort of a real situation that you are going to suck tremendously at you know shooting and and just tactics and everything else that's why they just keep drilling it you've got to practice you've got to practice you've got to practice you got to practice inside your head what am i going to do da, 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 da. and you know easier than easier said than done but then you learn to appreciate these guys who go actually do this in the middle east or wherever and the 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 mental focus that they have and the, just the skill level of this is so intense um, but you do get tunnel vision. And so that's, but, but you can use that against an attacker. Um, just anything you can do, pick up, pick up his spent weapon. He's going to be so freaked out probably himself in the moment that he's not going to realize what's going on. And the other thing you just do is just, just throw things at him, anything, anything, anything that you can chuck out of your hand throw it at the guy if you're in a church you just start throwing missiles or bibles or book anything that you can bring to hand just start throwing it at him and then you're running at him as hard as you can too but the lesson of new zealand is is the last thing that you do is you go you go huddle in the corner and just let him it's just fish in a barrel at that point it's absolutely ridiculous but that's so 
what our culture is. We have been absolutely inculcated. All the masculinity has just been beaten out of the entire culture. And we're seeing manifestations of this in real time. And we we're seeing manifestations of this within in the church within the last 24, 48 hours of people coming out and saying, there's nothing we can do. All we can do is wait it out, which is the equivalent of saying, go huddle in the corner and wait for the active shooter to stop shooting. Well, okay, is- we, we can get back to that topic in a little bit. But because I, I have some things to say about that a little bit. But in, in terms of you know reaction to shooting, I, I have read multiple times, I, I think I've mentioned it before, I, I, I really enjoy reading some you know, stories by tier one JSOC operators. And I've read the, 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 the saying that you don't rise to the occasion in these situations, you descend to your level of training, which is why they train so aggressively. Um, it, it almost harkens back to the days of Troy when they would say about their, about the, 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 it's not Troy. It was uh, Sparta. They they used to say about the the Spartan soldiers used to say that that uh, practice was was um, bloodless. No, it was something about the. You know, I'm messing up all my my acronym or my my uh, stories here. But something about about the more you bleed in training, the less you bleed in war. Or they would refer mm. to um, uh, training as bloodless wars, and and the actual war is bloodless tr- or bloody training. Anyway, the the point being that that you train it over and over and over to the point that you're not actually thinking about it so much as you're going on what your trained level is. And I've also read that um, it's, it's a real problem for people who train as snipers to be fixated on the target after they've shot. Whereas as soon as you pull the trigger, you need to be scanning for the next target. Right, and and right. The, the folks who do the dynamic entry stuff like uh, taking down airliners or close quarter combat, that uh, they're, they're already looking for their next target when they're pulling the trigger on the previous one. And yeah. that's one of the hardest skills to learn in addition to shooting straight. And of course, you're doing this at a dead run, which you know, that's a crazy level of competence. But the, the idea of you can't just you know, roll out of bed and, and respond like, like a Rambo to a situation that uh, you've never been mm-hmm. in before. If you've never trained, you're not going to execute is what it comes down yeah. to. And a lot of it, it, it seemed to me that it was just muscle memory. You would see the instructors. They would demonstrate different things, you know, um, uh, correcting a, a jammed weapon or whatever, you know, and it was, it was muscle memory. You could tell that they were just completely on autopilot. And so, yeah, you are going to descend to the level of your training, but you're going to descend to the level of your training with a coefficient in front of it that is less than one. So you're going to be at X percent of the level of your training. Um, it's it's going to be something below that when there's actually somebody shooting at you. Yeah, so, and then the, so if you're doing range training with a pistol, or for example, you're going to intentionally have somebody load your magazine with one or two duds in there on purpose Yeah. so that you have mm-hmm. a chance when, when you pull the trigger and it goes click, you need to not even think about it, just reflexively clear the, clear the magazine, get the next one loaded, and, and be able to practice jams and, and hang fires uh-huh. and all the rest without even thinking about it so that uh, if when the moment of truth comes and, you know, Muhammad or whatever his name is, is, is charging after you, if you've got a, a misfire, it, it's not even something you think about. You just responsibly clear it and put two in center of mass and one between the eyes and you're done. Yeah. And that's that's intimidating to think that you need to have that level of training. But, you know, when you're in the moment, you do do your best, do your best. And it's all, that's all you can be asked to do. And, you know, think outside the box and don't cower. 
don't cower. Even if you die, you could save you could save countless other lives, depending on the situation, how many people there are. Um, and as I as I wrote in my written piece on this, you know, don't fall into this narcissistic trap that you that you are the culmination of the entire creation. You are the the beginning, middle, and end of history. Everything revolves around you. It, it might be that your purpose on this earth, other than to know, love, and serve God so that you may be happy with him forever in the next world, um, but, you're, but that you're very... Uh, earthy purpose, if, you, if you'll allow the, the term, is to just be your body, your dead body falls so that the person behind you gets one and a half more seconds or can step on your head, your dead body in your head and launch themselves over an obstacle or something like that. And you have to have the, the humility really to realize that that, that might be what, what, your purpose is, and that's what you need to do. Um, and if that's the case, then then that's what you do. I mean, don't obviously go commit suicide thinking that that's going to be some noble thing. But it's just it's thinking in terms of combat, and you know, in a feminized culture, is just that's really difficult for people to deal with. You know, so. Now it's given us all it's given us all something to think about and then now we've got this priest being attacked on the altar um someone that was a knife attack and my piece got cross-posted syndicated whatever you want to call it on a different website that's um you know discussing military things and as i as i said on my blog it's for rough and ready types and there's certainly some rough and ready content on this blog so if you if you click over to it reader beware. But someone left a really good comment about the use of edge weapons. And one of the things that I really regret not having done is that I didn't do one of the edge weapon uh, courses at Front Sight when I had the chance. So I regret that. But for the, the sake of civilians who don't understand that term, what is an edged weapon by definition? Oh, knife uh machete uh ice pick <laughs> anything like that i would assume yes so probably a piece of metal that can cut or stab anything stabby yeah uh, uh meat fork <laughs> you can even a like a like a sturdy metal pen it seems to me that you could use that as an edge weapon uh but the comment that this guy made and you know, I had made I had made some sort of remark about you know if you have any sort of an edge weapon on you that you you know you run at the guy and you try to stab him in the face or something like that. And he said, no, 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 that's absolutely wrong because the human the human head is obviously almost all bone, and you can you can stab people in the face, slash people in the face in the midst of a com in the midst of combat, and they don't even realize they think they're being punched they don't even realize in the moment that they're being stabbed that's how relatively superficial those kind of of um wounds can be you have to hit somebody just really in a, in kind of a there's a few sweet spots on the neck obviously that are that'll 
take a person out, but he, but this commenter, he said, no, 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 where you want to go for is down in what he called the pelvic vault, genitals, obviously, and inner thighs, where those huge arteries, the femoral, femoral artery and the aortas down in there, you know, huge, huge, huge blood vessels and, you know, soft and, and available and gets and when you get stabbed in your down in that area in your pelvis it gets your attention right now and you stop everything else that you're doing so i was wrong to say you know go go for the eyes go for the face you don't you go for that you go for that pelvic region if you've got an edge weapon and you can run at somebody if you can run at an attacker well, I mean, if you if you have the element of surprise, I suppose you can you can do the Lennon ice pick in the ear. But uh, yeah, in in that situation, I hadn't really thought that much about it. But it makes complete yeah. sense. I mean, you sever the femoral artery. You've got maybe a minute before you lose consciousness if if the bleeding is not stopped. I'm I'm not a trauma surgeon, so I don't know the exact answer. But um, that certainly makes sense. And the commenter said that it was actually. And all of those wounds down there in the pelvis and getting those arteries, apparently it's extremely painful. And so what that that implies is that it gets it gets the attacker to stop what they're doing. Whereas, like I said before, you can slash somebody in the face pretty good and they won't even they might not even realize that they're cut, uh, especially with adrenaline flowing and things like that. So. Yeah, go for go for the <laughs> the soft, squishy, um, uh, sensitive bits is is basically the the lesson there. And I stand corrected, and I'm I'm glad I was corrected in that. It might, who knows, it might help somebody. Um, well, before you gave the exact details, I was thinking um, like the side stomach area, like like through the kidneys or something like that, because that's going to be uh, massive trauma. And and of course, uh -huh. if, if you can get secondary strikes into the lungs, that that's going to be. Uh, a problem. And again, I'm just. But then you're negotiating the rib cage. And I think that's kind of the point. Well, that's that, why it'd be secondary. But, yeah. But yeah. again, I'm, I'm, I'm parroting phrases from books written by SEALs who I don't know if they've done this for real or they're just talking about their training. But anyway, I wanted to mention something about the uh, New Zealand shooter. I sent you a link to the manifesto. Did you have a chance to read that at all? No, I didn't. So the guy, uh, the only I saw the expert, the excerpt, where he said that you know he was basically a Maoist and that uh, Maoist China was his ideal state. And like, okay, at that point, we know that all of this crap about painting him as being anywhere on the on the quote unquote right of the political spectrum is complete BS. But go ahead. Yeah, what his, else do you have? his manifesto was essentially written like a Reddit ask me anything where it's question, answer, question, answer, and there's no other person, as far as we know, who's asking the question. He's posing the questions and then answering them himself. So, for mm -hmm. example, he says, are you conservative? And he says, if it de depends upon your definition of conservative, but maybe. And he says the same thing for all these different political stances. But at one point he says, if I had to describe my political stance in any one particular way, he said eco-fascist would be the number one. And yes, you already said that uh, China, as it currently exists, would be the closest to my ideal a uh, situation of um, a law or, or a set of rules and, and, and laws and, and morality. But the, one of the other things he, he said that there were five points he wanted to achieve as, as a result of this uh, act of shooting. One of them was to, to focus on the topic of gun control and change the laws. And I read that within six days of the attack, New Zealand has already changed their gun laws. Yeah. Um, so, an Australian invader talking about invaders commits an act hoping to change your gun laws and you change your gun laws. Yeah. Um, does this make sense, Kiwis? Really? 
Well, uh, sadly, I've been told that New Zealand is bad in terms of that whole um, post-Christian suicidal self-loathing uh, mentality. There, that I didn't realize it was that that w- it was this bad. But they're on par with, you know, your Sw- your Scandinavian countries, your Sweden, you know, just act- actually like proactively looking to exterminate themselves in their own culture and well, being and completely about open that, about this. Talking about that, the guy even mentions in his manifesto apparent connections that people might draw between him and Anders Breivik, the guy up mm-hmm. in Sweden, who he was definitely- Norway, um, Norway. Oh, it was Norway? Yeah. Anders Breivik up there somewhere in the Scandinavian area, Scandin- yes. Scandinavia. And and the, the idea that he was specifically going after this retreat for kids of, of liberal politicians because he wanted to uh, exterminate the next wave of liberal politicians to stop the migration of Muslims into Norway or Sweden, whatever it was. I thought, I thought it was Sweden, but Mel- Melmo, Norway, I don't know. It was someplace up there. Yeah. I should know this ahead of time, but uh, th- there were definitely connections drawn between the two. And uh, this guy says, I don't hate Muslims where they stay. It's just, I hate them when they, they migrate to where I am or in, invade. And again, the irony that he's not even in his own country when he does this. But okay. I think we want to move on anyway to something else. Okay. What's next? Uh, well, you'd, you'd um, started talking about the, the knife attack on the priest. And I wanted to get back and finish those, those a few points on, on, the, um, on the New Zealand shooter and his manifesto and just think of the craziness of it. I guess we can link that in the show notes. Okay. What was our next topic? Well, I, I think I interrupted you with regard to uh, what you what all you wanted to say with the knife attack on the priest in Canada. Knife attack on priest in Canada. Just you know, lesson is I'm surprised it hasn't happened more. I anticipate, uh, you know, in France they're they're suppressing the reportage of all of this, but church desecrations in France are getting to be a near daily occurrence now. And of course, they, no one no one will talk about this because they're all in denial about the fact that they have they have been invaded and that the the Musloids are in fact executing a a it's not a reconquering, but it reconquering would be Spain because Charles Mar- Martel repelled them, but um they are they are executing a conquering operation. Um, and so they are desecrating churches right and left. And, you know, no, it's all being suppressed and nobody, nobody will really report on it. You can find a little bit here and there, but like I said, it's a near daily basis. It's just a matter of time before it starts happening in the U.S. This latest attack was on a priest in, in Canada where he was attacked on the altar. You, you've got to be ready to go. You've got to be ready to act. And I've seen this. I've seen people come into churches who were crazy, who were drunk, whatever, and, you know, misbehave in various and sundry ways. And every single time I've seen it happen, the people that are sitting in the pews in the church sit there paralyzed and do nothing. And I, yes, yes, it's true. Believe it or not, I have on more than one occasion had to get up and physically act as a bodyguard and and chase people out um confront um I confronted a um uh kind of a I don't know what you'd call him a panhandler like a like a gypsy looking type person and you know the guy the guy got uh 
got tried to get kind of violent with me and tried to pretend like he was going to charge me. And I, I dropped my, my, uh, I carry a, a backpack and I dropped my backpack and puffed my chest out and stepped at the guy really aggressively when he charged me. And guess what player did? Player backed right up as soon as, as soon as he saw me, me, I'm five, four, I'm five, four and I weigh a hundred <coughs> pounds, you know, uh, but, but I, I ain't fat. I ain't fat. But, you know, I, I carry a little extra food with me these days, just just for emergencies. But I, I could lose 10. I could lose a dime. But, you know, I'm not I'm not big by any means. And, you know, that guy, he wasn't big either. Um, but all I had to do, all you have to do, and this is a lesson not just physically, but also, you know, intellectually, spiritually, whatever, all you have to do when you are faced with a bully and it works 99 times out of 100 is you just have to step to him. And if you step to him, he's usually a little punk and he'll back right off because he's all bluster. And if you just hold your ground and even advance toward him, go on offense, put him on defense, they, they usually will back right down. This is the lesson in life that people have just completely lost. Not only do people not step step to anybody anymore, every time I've seen anything like this happen, people just sit there paralyzed, frozen, don't do anything. I'm telling you, that's, that's what's going to happen when this starts happening more often in churches, in Catholic churches, there's going to be people there. There's going to be men there. There's going to be men of fighting age there who will sit there and watch, who will not move a muscle as some, as some terrorist or crazy person walks right into a sanctuary, right up on an altar, and either stabs or shoots somebody. And they'll, ju they'll just sit there and watch. I've seen it too many times. And you, you see the state of the broad culture as it is. People will not act. And it's, I don't know, what do you do? How do you turn around an entire, the entirety of what is now the post-Christian West? How do you turn around an entire civilization, an entire culture like that? You don't. You just hope and pray that there's at least one person there who, who has the stones to at least get up and do something. And yes, listen, if somebody comes into the church while you're at daily mass or something or at mass and goes up and enters the sanctuary, um, yes, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ wants you, even if you are a female, to charge the guy, enter the sanctuary, tackle him, do whatever you have to do. It is absolute insanity to make any sort of an argument that you should let somebody come in and murder father on the altar. Oh, but I can't enter the sanctuary or I'm a woman. I can't enter the sanctuary. You, you better believe that I would go flying into a sanctuary in the middle of mass if somebody came in and, and launched an attack like that. You bet your fur I would. And I would be, there would be fur flying and fists flying and kicking and screaming and everything else that there needed to be right there in the middle of the sanctuary if that situation, you know, 
went forth. It is nuts to think that you shouldn't you shouldn't enter the sanctuary in a full-blown tactical situation like that. Of course you should. You mentioned that this also this attitude works in the spiritual life as well and it reminds me of the quote of St. Ignatius in the spiritual exercises that the devil is like a woman and he makes this characterization mm. in the sense that there's lots of bluster, lots of noise, yep. lots of lots of attitude but the moment you put up a firm resistance and take a step toward no, I will fight you if necessary yep. and and I'm serious about this, the temptation flees. And mm-hmm. The devil in that situation and a terrorist are two different things. In in the spiritual context, the devil wants you to fall, and if he sees that what what you're what he's doing is causing you to make an act of the will and to be mortified and become better in the spiritual life, he's going to stop because he doesn't want you to get stronger in the spiritual life. He's going to try something else. But the whole idea of somebody who's who's um. Like the example of the person coming into the church, they're probably not a hero type themselves. Uh-huh. Any kind of firm resistance that's put up against them, they're going to turn around and, and leave a yellow streak as they're running. But yep. you know, it, it, it works in the spiritual life as well. Amen. Absolutely. Just again, it's it's just been, you know, that this whole agenda about, you know, attacking boys and making trying to turn boys into girls and any boy who is rambunctious or, you know, uh, active in any way when he's a young child, they're, they've been trying to put these kids on Ritalin and just beat every ounce of masculine virility and potency out of them and beat it out of them as children um, so that, you know, they can't, they can't think, they can't make decisions. This, and this is, oh, I don't know if you want to get off on this tangent, but we see it, we see it right now with the situation in the church, specifically in the sense and I don't, did we, I don't, I don't think we talked about this recently, but stop me if we did. I'll be very, very brief. The inability to respond to something in real time. Maybe, I think we did talk about this on the last episode, that whole notion. So go back and listen to the last episode, but the, the whole notion that men are not capable of improvising a response, a tactical response in real time. They have to have somebody telling them what to do. They have to have a direct historical precedence with a laundry list of first you do this, then you do this, then you do this, then you do this. And in war, that's just, but dude, that's just never going to happen. You learn history, you you get that information into your mind, but you get that information into your mind so that you can improvise on the spot and 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 think and think speculatively and react dynamically. And you're gonna have to make up 100 percent new responses because every tactical situation situation, every war situation is completely different. And when I say war, you know, I'm I'm talking about what's going on in the church right now. This is a war, and it's completely new, and it's completely different. You cannot chain yourself to saying I have to I have to receive detailed detailed instructions about what you do when a heretic from Argentina usurps da 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 because this has never happened before. You can't do that. You have to be able to think speculatively. You have to be able to improvise. And then you have to be able to execute all that and do it all in real time. And there, there's just, 
there's such a dearth of that capacity left in this in this post-Christian, post-Western culture. That's why uh, here's a little language. Ding, ding, ding. We'll put a little language uh, asterisk on this. This is why this is why we're getting our asses kicked up one side and back down the other day in and day out because of this dearth of capacity to respond with masculine virility in real time on in a tactical situation. Dismount soapbox. Stick the landing. Perfect 10. <laughs> yeah, what Anne said. Say again? I said what Anne said. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were going to go for another two minutes, so I wasn't ready yet. Um, no, because we just talked about that in the last episode. So go if you want to if you want to listen to the seven minute long version of that rant, go listen to the last, the last podcast, which would be what? 77. Yes. We're on 78 right now. Yep. It's in there somewhere. On a different topic. Um, Mm. you mentioned, uh, something, something about, uh, normalizing uh, or, or doing nothing when, when priests are, are, are dealing with pedophilia. You mentioned that Barbara Streisand is now endorsing pedophilia. Yeah, just within the last few hours, this just popped up on the newsfeed. Barbara Streisand is apparently getting just absolutely raked over the coals, and rightfully so. She has a quote out. Somebody asked her about Michael Jackson, and apparently there's a new documentary out where two of his child victims, who are now young grown men who are pushing 40 or whatever, have, you know cooperated with producers and sat down and done this really thorough, thorough, exhaustive um, uh, documentary about how Jackson was abusing them and raping them as children. It was, it was obvious what was going on. Um, And Barbara Streisand apparently today comes out and says, well, you know what? Those boys were loving every minute of it. And you know what? It didn't kill them. So it's not that big of a deal. Oh, and Jackson's needs, Jackson's sexual needs are ja- were Jackson's sexual needs. And, you know, he he was just fulfilling his sexual needs. I'm paraphrasing there. Um, we'll we'll get a link up to this. And you know, it's just proving proving we've all been saying for years these people barbara streisand being emblematic in every sense of the hard secular left in in every sense you know this champagne marxist idiotic amoral we've been hollywood you know we've been screaming for years these people want to normalize all this stuff. The The line of progression is, what is it? It's acceptance, tolerance, ratification, participation. Acceptance, tolerance, ratification, meaning legal, legal protection, and then participation. And people say, oh, you're crazy. No, they, they're never going to come out in favor of pedophilia. Barbara Streisand just came out explicitly saying, you know what? That's ja- that's Jackson's sexual orientation. He wanted to have he wanted to have sodomy with eight year old boys. He ha- he was a man. He had needs. He compensated the boys. The boys acted like they wanted to be there. And you know what? The boys are both grown up, married, have children. It didn't kill them. That's her quote. It didn't kill them. Um, 
do you do you understand these people are completely fine with this whole child molesting thing they're including this woman streisand i think streisand has children does she have children i don't even know i think she has children i don't know um this woman streisand totally fine totally fine with little boys prepubescent boys being sodomitically raped by some freak monster like Michael Jack, totally fine with that. Oh, shake it off. Shake it off. You you wanted it at the time. You were fine with it. Come on. These people are all in on this crap. And, you know, it's, it's ironic that they're using, um, the rape of children like this they're they're trying to use that as a point of deflection in the church situation with all this abuse because there's really not a whole lot there's some of priests um diddling prepubescent boys but as we've talked about before what this is about with the with the church and the priests is homosexuality because gay men lust after teenage boys they want them old enough they want them young but they want them old enough that the boys are able to be without getting excessively graphic um full participants if you understand what i'm saying um in in a, in a sexual act or a sodomitical act they want the boy they want to be able to go back to the boy and say you know you ejaculated you wanted me to do that I, you enjoyed it because if you didn't enjoy it there's no possible way that you could have ejaculated that is the argument that they make to these lads trying to convince them of this it's the demonic i'm gonna i'm gonna essentially rape you i'm gonna manually or orally rape you or whatever it is and then i'm gonna take that the fact of the fact that the act came to completion and take it back on you, a terrified 12, 13, 14 year old boy and say, see, this is proof that you're a monster like me too. That's the diabolical nature of it. And this is, this has to be assumed as 100% across the board with all homosexual men. Maybe there are some men who are homosexual who genuinely don't lust after 14-year-old boys. But you know what? The percentage is so incredibly high of sodomite men who do lust after boys because they're vampires. They, they're, they're diabolical. They want to go and get more. They want to make, they want to drag other people into hell with them. And they want to go over, go and they want to get those lads. They want fresh meat for the grinder. The percentage of sodomite men that are attracted to teenage boys like this is so high that the assumption just has to be made across the board that any man who engages in any same-sex activity is a clear and present danger to children, to lads, because it's that, com it's that common amongst them. And so now you've got this multi multi multi-millionaire considered to be an extremely powerful person in hollywood barbara streisand coming out and saying you know what it's no big deal and if if the boys liked it and didn't scream bloody murder because what was jackson doing he was bribing them big time he was bribing their families big time um and so the boys for whatever reason they kept it going and they were they were afraid 
you know, to fall out of Jackson's good graces. They were afraid that it would cut off the the money that was coming into their families. A lot of time, Jackson was just giving enormous cash payments to the parents, subsidizing their failing businesses, helping them get out of debt, et cetera, et cetera. It was, it was a pure payoff. And so these kids would not say anything, um, even to the point that the two lads who, who did this, um, this documentary, who are now men, uh, both of them testified in Jackson's favor during that one of those trials back 15, 20 years ago that that they brought against Jackson. And these these two then boys who were teenage boys testified in his favor. Why? Because there was still money flowing and all of this, you know, and they were scared of him. I mean, he's crazy. I'd be scared of him, too. He's a damn ghoul. Well, he actually is a ghoul now, isn't he? But um, it's funny you say that that name because uh, Barbara Streisand has one child named Jason Gould because uh, Barbara Streisand had a a child with with, uh, Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould, yeah. yeah, With with, with a D at the end. But I was looking this up while, while you were talking about that. And of course, when I look up Barbara Streisand on Google, now the top one of the top stories is that she clarified her remarks on Michael Jackson's accusers, quote, I feel nothing but sympathy for them. Yeah, sure you do. And I'm sure you said the same damn thing about um, about Weinstein, too, and his victims. Yep, exactly. Exactly. The mask is slipping. And, you know, I don't know. People. Well, it's, she's, it's, she's 76. A lot of slipping with her. Right. Well said. Well said. But it's it is good to see. And I've been you know, screaming for years about cable, satellite, cut the cord. But as we've talked about before, and we don't need to re-enter this topic, it's just all getting shifted over to the streaming services, to Netflix, um, so on and so forth. So now it's just, you know, on demand that people are watching um, things that now, because it's not broadcast, it seems to me, and again, I haven't watched any television program in like going on a decade, not, not any episodic television program about the closest I get anymore is I watch um, America's test kitchen videos on, on YouTube. If, you know, I want to learn how to make red lentil soup or something like that. That's about, that's my television consumption such as it is. Um, but people are still consuming this stuff and enormous amounts of money are flowing. Although I did, I did see a, a, really good story. Someone was reporting on the fact that um, 90, and I wrote about this years ago when Al Gore sold his cable channel, Current TV, he was trying to be, he hired, it was Keith Olbermann. That's right. He hired Keith Olbermann to be his evening quote unquote commentary news anchor like O'Reilly and an, an O'Reilly analog on this current TV. And it was just sickening liberal garbage. And Keith Olbermann is a clear psychopath. And it, he's were, also talentless. I mean, unless he's doing, yeah. you know, mid market sports analysis, he's out of his league. He's not very good. He's back at, he's back at ESPN. He's not very good at that. I mean, I will say that. In terms of, I, I think Keith Olbermann's highest achievement was when he did the, um, I wouldn't say a eulogy, but it was a memory of Tony Gwynn, who was uh, an incredible man, even more so than an incredible baseball player. But um, that that was like the only positive thing I can say about Keith Olbermann is he actually knew Tony Gwynn pretty well because he was a small town California sportscaster and um, that's how he met the guy. But otherwise, he's a complete yeah. There are no polite words for it. He, he yeah, shouldn't no. be on TV. 
he shouldn't. But the story that was up during, I think it was during the last week or so, it's since the last podcast episode, is that people are looking around and saying, wait a minute, 90 million people are paying a dollar a month in their cable package for CNN. 90 million people. And less than a million people watch CNN. And I've been saying, yes, thank you. This is what I've been screaming about for years and years and years. Because um, when the whole Al Gore current TV thing happened, this was exposed. There were like 45,000 people watching Keith Olbermann's show per night on current TV. There were days when I literally had a bigger audience than Keith Olbermann on current TV. And this guy is a multi-million dollar contract. Al Gore sells current TV to Al Jazeera for just some, you know, staggering, staggering amount of money. And you say, what in the hell is going on? Nobody's watching this, guys. It doesn't matter that nobody's watching it. Everyone's paying for it. If it's in, if, if you can see a cable channel in your cable package, it doesn't matter if you never, ever watch it. If you have the capacity to pick up your remote control and punch in whatever, two, five, four, enter, and the sodomite channel comes up, and you say, well, I never, ever, ever watch the sodomite channel, you're paying for it every month. So current TV was getting like, it was just, it was cents. It was like 25 cents a month per subscriber. But then you look at it, and at the time, that's when everybody had cable. I mean, now millions and millions and millions of people have dropped cable and satellite. But back then, this was basically peak cable. Every single subscriber, so you're talking well over 100 million, are paying like 25 cents a month or whatever it was for current TV. The revenues that they had coming in and the cash flow that that thing was generating was just absolutely incredible. It's not the advertising. It's not the, you know, the advertisements that you see during the commercial breaks. It's not the sponsorships. It's none of that. The money that this whole television thing is driving off of are these are these subscription revenues and they're all getting a cut. So something like CNN, you know, they negotiate a bigger cut. They get a dollar a month and Fox News might get, you know, a dollar 15 a month or something and ESPN might get, you know, $2.20 a month, something like that. Um, the bigger the channel is, the more negotiating power and the, the obviously the bigger the percentage of the monthly package fee they get. And that's what they all negotiate. That's why sometimes you'll hear, you would hear stories about, oh, I don't know, for example, let's just say Fox News, but I'm just making this up, that Fox News was temporarily dropped from the entire Time Warner system nationwide. You say, what's that? Well, that's them playing chicken with each other, negotiating these these payouts and these fees and stuff. That's what all of that was about. Um, and so now there's another round of this going, and it was it was reported by a fairly mainstream source. I can't remember what it was, we'll be able to find it pretty easily. But it was 90 million people are paying a dollar a month for CNN and way less than a million people ever watch CNN. And people are kind of waking up to this and going, 
what, what in the hell is going on? They're, they're being paid enormous amounts of money to do nothing but produ- produce this, this agitprop, this poison that gets out into the, into the culture, but yet at the same time, nobody's actually watching it. Why is it that they can afford to just keep producing this stuff and have it, for example, pumped into captive audiences in airport waiting rooms and things like that? It's worth it because they're making 90 million a month in subscriber revenues. That's why you have to get rid of this stuff. But if you're just going to replace it with streaming soft porn and garbage and, you know, tranny propaganda and pedophilic propaganda on your streaming services like Netflix and Amazon and so forth, well, you're, you're out of the frying pan and into the fire. What you need to do is you just need to stop consuming all of it. Stop watching television. I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. You, you can do that. It's just that you choose not to. I have to have this. I have to have that. I have to have my sports. And I, no, you, you really don't. You're choosing that. Um, so let's let's be precise about the terms that we're using and understand that it's getting to the point where this stuff is so pornographic and so perverse and so anti-life, so anti-family, so anti-God, so anti-humanity that it seems to me that you should be really nervous about, you know, the fact that this is going to be brought up at your particular judgment. And I... Again, I've I've said before on the on the podcast that at our particular judgments, none of us ever say anything except yes. We sit there and listen, and you know, uh, the Lord, the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ is is the just judge, and the Holy Spirit is basically our defense attorney. That's why he's called the Paraclete, the Advocate. Um, one of the reasons why he's called that, and so we've got the Holy Ghost a- as our basically defense attorney there. But you're you're not going to be saying anything. You're not going to be making any. Don't, don't kid yourself and think that you're going to be making any arguments for any of the things that you've done in your life when they're brought up before you. And then at the end of it, either our Lord will say, "You okay? You may proceed to purgatory, and we'll see you when you are purged, and you will enter into the beatific vision." And the human being will say yes, or our Lord will say, "Nope," and off you'll go, and you will say yes. If if you are damned, your response to that will be exactly the same. It will be yes. There will be no fighting with it. There's there will be none of that. So don't kid yourself and and think in those terms, and you know think when you're sitting around watching this filth, absolute filth that all of this garbage is. Sit and ask yourself. Do I really, really want to have to have this brought up at, at my particular judgment? It really? Seriously? You you want to look look at Christ, you know, seeing him on the cross dying for your sins, standing at the pillar being scourged for your sins, and you want to have to stand there and watch him taking the lash at the pillar because you're watching soft porn Game of Thrones. Seriously? Seriously. Come on. Come on. You, you got to think a little bit deeper than that. I've never seen Game of Thrones, but I think soft porn, soft core might be selling it soft. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I've never actually seen it either. The only thing I've been told is that it, it is pornography. 
in the in in the in the sense of the word that we would all understand the only difference is is that it's not they they don't actually do the deed so that's why they call it soft core whereas hardcore pornography the actors are actually doing they're actually fornicating or sodomizing or whatever game of thrones is the soft version where the actors don't actually do that and that's why it gets to be on hbo and and netflix and streaming and things like that it's not Apparently, they consider it to be a different a different category, but it has a, it, it has the same effect. It seems to me. I mean, I don't know. It's not going to help you get closer to God. That's for sure. Uh, no, that is that is for sure. That is for sure. That might be an understatement. Yeah, that's the understatement of the show. Yeah, yeah. watching Game of Thrones is not going to bring you closer to God. Well, we do have some good news. Okay. The Southern Poverty Law Center is apparently imploding. Yay! <laughs> Didn't they call you a hateful person at one point? Oh, they put me on a hit list. They, I'm uh, sure they're not the only people who have called you that. But yeah, the SPLC has, um, they, they've been sued multiple times because people who end up on their hate lists actually get uh, a lot of vi- threats of violence and even death threats. And, and um, Well, that's it, the point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, there have been people is- who have lost their bank accounts because they've ended up on SPLC, a Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, lists. Yeah, mine was, let's see, um, June 9th, 2015, Women Against Islam. And I am, oh, it's in alphabetical order. So Kathy Adams is number one on the list, and I am number two. And, you know, the, the you could tell how lame and incompetent they are, because the blurb that they make about me is poorly researched, and there's several just factual errors in it. Uh, but a lot of it's right. Like, you know, I definitely believe that the Islamic political system needs to be exterminated. No question. Um, I absolutely believe that women's suffrage was catastrophic to Christian civilization. It was effectively the beginning of the end. Um, but I have to, I have to admit they, they hired some artist who did, um, renderings, um, portrait renderings of each one of these women and kind of generally made made them look somewhat unflattering. Whoever this artist is, I, I actually really like what he did with my portrait. The only thing is he, he messed up my mouth because he used a picture of me as the base of me smiling. It's actually one of my favorite pictures of myself. It's a very flattering picture, but he had to take the smile off my face. And so my mouth is all wrong, but the, uh, the artistic quality of it, and we'll, we'll put the image in the show notes. I really like it. And the thing that's funny is that there's like this yellow, not, not a halo, but what it looks like is a chapel veil. It looks like I'm wearing a bright yellow chapel veil and I really like it. It's really cool. I wish I wish there was a way to fix it so that maybe maybe some of the um, like Mr. Big Fur had it at IOTW Report, who's a wonderful graphic artist. Maybe he'll hear this and he can um, take this SLSPLC hit list image that they made of me and fix it and put me put me smiling again, but make it make it look largely the same because it's it's actually quite a beautiful image and i like it yes i so. found i found it again and i will definitely put this in the show notes in fact i may put this um as like the featured image on the show notes kind of like yeah, we did good the, idea. Uh, kind of like we did the uh, the lcs a few weeks ago 
But I mean, back to the, the news of the day that the SPL, SPLC, the apparently internal whistleblower, one of their own people who's, you know, a, a far leftist, blew the whistle. Apparently, they're all a bunch of racist, misogynist, sexual harasser, psychopaths working at the SPLC. No, you're kidding. What are you talking about? Knock me over with a feather. You, you got to be kidding me. Um, and this person blew the whistle. They fired the founder, Morris Dees. They fired the CEO, some other communist, who the hell knows. And apparently the whole, and oh, and one of the other things that this internal whistleblower said is the whole thing, it's just, it's just an absolute racket. It's a complete scam. They're doing all of this fundraising. If I'm not mistaken, I think the last number I saw is that the Southern Poverty Law Center is sitting on something like $500 million effectively in cash. And, you know, it's being held in offshore accounts and stuff. And now they this internal whistleblower has blown the whistle and um the whole thing is basically imploding in on itself and you know more than one person including super nerd has you know sent me you know messages and said you know you should maybe look at trying to uh see if there's any way that there can be some um, compensation to you for the fact that they essentially put you on a hit list. Hey, Muslims, here's who you should go murder. Um, and they, the Muslims did go after Pam Geller. Um, they've gone after her more than once, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, you know, I, I hear what you're saying and you say that they're sitting on 500 million. If the thing's going to implode, why shouldn't you get at least some compensation for, you know, the <laughs> mental anguish or even just the, in the notion of, of punitive damages for doing something for essentially trying to dock somebody and trying to get, get somebody murdered. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, but instantaneously reflexive reflexively every fiber of my being was saying nope don't do that don't don't even try to get cute with a situation like this don't have you know the kaching bugs bunny dollar signs going going in your eyeballs or anything like that because it it could only end in tears it could only be a disaster so no i am i am completely content to just watch the whole damn thing go up in flames and if there's other people out there who can get a cut of that god bless you you go after it i'm not doing anything i'm not calling any damn lawyers i've had enough of lawyers i am i am happy as a clam where i am things are going fine i don't need to be chasing, get like I said, getting dollar signs in my eyes and chasing after any of this damn blood money. Nope. I, in fact, I was saying, I was saying to someone not so long ago that it seems to me that you know, considering my station in life and what my my little place in life is right now, that I I live the quality of my life. You know, able to go to mass every day you know, having access to what I have access to, the quality of my life is probably one of the highest qualities of life of anyone in the world today.
And, and I, I really don't think that that's an exaggeration. And if there are people out there who are, who are listening, who are personally acquainted with me, I, I think you'll probably able to, to hear me say that and nod your head and say, yeah, I can see, I can see how that's about right. I'm not, you know, I don't live in some giant house anymore, don't have cars anymore, none of that. But what we're talking about is a true, a true quality of life. And it's, it's just about, I, I really can't imagine how it could be too much better. I'm just, you know, surrounded, surrounded by people all the time. Um, people, you know, people who are personally acquainted with me coming, coming to visit, coming to stay all the time. It's, it's, it's wonderful. I get to, even in the situation that I'm in, I still get to extend hospitality to others, you know? So you've got, you've got that wonderful benefit and yeah, I'm not, I don't need, I'm not sitting around thinking, man, wouldn't it be awesome if I could, you know, get, get 5 million and, um, you know, do this, that, the other, you know, no, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play that, that game. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play that Russian roulette. I'm, I'm just gonna keep going the way I'm going now. And if the divine providence wants it to change in any way, then the, the divine providence is plenty powerful on his own. He doesn't need any help from me or certainly from any lawyers anywhere. So um, thanks, thanks for thinking of me, but no, I think we'll just keep going the way it is. Well, to play devil's advocate, I mean, counter lawyer, but I repeat myself, um, <laughs> you did kind of dox yourself the first time you went viral because somebody sent you a death threat by email and you from England and you laid out the exact steps they would need to, to do to get from where they were in England to where you are. Oh, but I also included the fact, but also included the fact, Hey, we're body armor because it, it wouldn't be sporting otherwise that I, yep. I, I laughed for about 10 minutes the first time I read that. And, and, um, that I, I could see where if you, if somebody were to say, and you really, really need to sue the Southern Poverty Law Center for going after you like that. Well, yeah. Anne kind of doxed herself in that I respect. I doxed myself. That's right. That's right. And you know, the truth is, is that I did it before that because I did it, the, um, in the Quran burning, the reason that the Quran burning went viral the way it did isn't because of the bacon bookmarks, although the bacon bookmarks were that was a waste of bacon, and you should have been brought up on charges for that. <laughs> the, uh, but the bacon, but it, there was just when you know when I would peel them off the page and then throw them off to the side, and they would land, and you would hear them go splat. You know, oh, it was, oh, everything about it, and I can still, I can close my eyes, and I can smell the aroma of the combination of the bacon and the burning, you know, the burning book pages. It was Joe's oh, choice, and that room, the room that I recorded it in, it smelled like that for months and months and months and months afterwards. But I'm absolutely convinced that the real reason why that went viral is because I doxed myself at the end of it. And I said, at the very conclusion, my name is Ann Barnhart. My address is da 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 da, which I haven't lived there for years and years and years now. So it's, it's no longer relevant. Gave my name, gave my address and said, if anyone Anyone wants a piece of me because I did this, be it a musloid, be it the federal government, be it anybody, you know where to find me. And I, it, it's true. It's because I dox myself. That's why it went viral because people were like, oh, man, this chick is 
this chick is for real and she's pissed off. And immediately the speculation was people were saying, oh, this this chick has to be armed to the teeth. And then, of course, you know, the next day, second day, third day, I start feeding out these pictures of my arsenal and everybody's and then the, the pink AR and it just it just all snowballed. So, yeah, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, the I did the pink AR myself. was the big reason I laughed for 10 minutes because a Hello Kitty AR, it's still just as lethal when that 5.56 NATO is coming down range at you. Yep, absolutely. But there's a shame. There's a shame attached to it. Can you imagine being some, some musloid or whatever, and the last thing you see is this bright pink with pink hearts on the mag on the magazine? I had the guy Duracoat the mags and put pink hearts on them. I mean, it was just that, just that, that proverbial twisting of the knife, just, just a little bit more. The only thing that um, would be even better is if you said that you were stocked with uh, anti-infidel armor or um, uh, anti-infidel ammunition. If you're not familiar with that, there is ammunition that's sold where they certify that they have smeared the tips of the bullets with pig grease. And yes, and I hear I hear that. And who was it? It was one of the World War War Pershing, General Pershing. He did that. He would he would dip he would dip um, rounds in slaw in hog blood, and then threaten musloids with them that way. And I wrote a piece on that pretty early on. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to go down that road because then what you're doing is you're playing into their. BS, pagan, false superstitions, whether or not, you know, when every single human being, without exception, no matter what religion, capital R or lowercase r, or in the case of Islam, satanic political system they subscribe to, every single human being, when they die, they go to the same particular judgment. Jesus Christ is the judge of every human being. And I think a lot of Christians don't you know, they don't ever stop and think about that. They do think that there are these compart these compartmentalized categories. And well, you know, the Musloids get their judgment and the Hindus get their judgment. No, 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 no. One God, one religion, one truth. Everybody stands before Christ at their per- at their particular judgment. Whether or not you are shot with some uh, pork pork infused product uh, makes absolutely no difference whatsoever to your particular judgment. Well, what that, matter- that's true, but yeah, to their yeah. misaligned sense of beliefs, they mm-hmm. may decide to stand down if that's part of the threat. True. But on the other hand, do, do we want to feed that? Do we want to make it seem like we're legitimizing their obviously false, nonsensical idiotic pagan beliefs about these things and my what i came down is no i'm not going to play that game there is no allah no 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 moon deity is going to swoop out of the sky and cut my head off because i defiled this satanic man political manifesto called the quran um whether or not you're shot with a pig infused product has nothing to do with anything you're going to your judgment judged by our lord based on on you and your capacity as a rational intellect in this world and whether whether you had faith in him and loved him or not and you know obviously for for musloids it's it's gonna be on the not side for 
the vast, vast majority of them, we would have to assume, which is why the Great Commission was given and we are to go and evangelize all nations. And of course, the objective should be every single human being on the surface of the earth should be baptized, received into the church, saved. Um, of course, that's of course that's the objective. Uh, diversity is, is our weakness. It's not our strength. So I... I thought about it. And then, you know, at first was like, yeah, General Pershing, rah. And they're like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to feed that. I'm not going to feed that superstitious nonsense because it kind of people, Christians who are out there who aren't really thinking deeply about these things, it, in a sense, it can trick you into legitimizing that these things are real, that these paradigms are real and they're not. There's only one real paradigm. And that is the triune Godhead, second person incarnate as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, his death, and his death on the cross, his resurrection, and now the holy sacrifice of the Mass in the Eucharist. That is the only true, legitimate paradigm, period, full stop. And he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Well, so, you've convinced me. That's obviously far and away the number one reason not to do it. I mean, secondarily, it's a waste of awesome seasoning for cast iron skillets. But Exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yep. You can't you can't waste these valuable commodities because you know who knows how much longer we're going to have access to these products. So. And if you waste, that's something else going to come up in your judgment. I mean, let, let's yeah. be smart about this. Don't waste good pork. Indeed, that could be a show title. <laughs> that it could be. I kind of like it. <laughs> uh, it might be, but I suspect it's not going to be. Okay, so the email address of the podcast, if you want to send feedback, comment, suggestions, or what you thought the show title should have been, is podcast at barnhart.biz. Masses for Ends Benefactors, yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever. Well, I hope. Is uh, they, Okay, I goofed that. Uh, Masses for Ends Benefactors every single day for everybody uh, who has is, who is donated, whether that's financially, whether it's just prayers. That happens every single day. Please pray for these priests. They need our prayers. And of course, once a week, every week. And can week. I jump in? Can I jump in? The Requiem. Um, that's Father Requiem. just what I was going to say. That's just what you were going to say. Father Requiem is um, no spring chicken. Let's put it that way. And he actually had a health a health issue and he was hospitalized briefly. He's back home. He's recovering. But he has sent me a message. And... Um, asking for prayers. And he's saying, and he said, you know, I just want you to know that I'm having some health issues and I'm going to do my absolute best for you. But it is conceivably possible that, you know, due to, you know, fatigue and my health situation that I might not get the mass in. I said, don't worry, father, but I would like to take this opportunity because he asked me to do this, to put the word out. If there's another priest out there and you have the ability and the latitude within your weekly schedule, and this is kind of tough, like if you're for a parish priest, if there's anyone out there who could do what Father Requiem is doing and offer a Requiem Mass every week, it doesn't have to necessarily be on the same day of the it, week. It doesn't even have no. to be a public Mass. And I'm making a, no, I'll, I'll no, make a no, quick no, plug. No. I'll make a quick plug to the interview that was done between Taylor Marshall and uh, Michael Matt this last week, talking about uh, priests who, by all external observances, are what we would call Novus Ordo priests, but they will pray the the, the traditional mass in private. If mm -hmm. they, if, if you know of somebody in that situation who would be willing to do a requiem mass once a week, by all means, that would yes, be yes, absolutely. You know, it'd be infinitely awesome. 
Oh, it, it's absolutely spectacular. In fact, I, I assume, I, I, I think Father Requiem's um, mass was always private uh, because he is retired. And I think several of the Barnhart benefactor masses per week are in fact private as well. I, 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 I would assume that masses would be private rather than public, in fact. Um, I know that there are, let's see, one, two, three. There's at least three that are public um, every day, but the other ones, I, you know, I'm not sure. And we did have, we had two, um, benefactor mass priests who were deployed, but thankfully both of them are, are now back stateside. So that's really good. But yes, if there's anyone out there who could say a requiem once a week, and the intention is this, it's for everyone, everyone who died in the previous week, not just people who have emailed me and or are benefactors of me or any of this. What we want is we want everyone in, in the world today who dies to get a requiem, a, 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 a Tridentine old school requiem mass. Because, you know, every time you see um, a Novus Ordo quote unquote funeral or, you know, mass of the resurrection, and you just keep hearing these horror stories about people you know, a loved one dies, they have to, for whatever reason, they have to have a Novus Ordo funeral. And it's just, it's a canonization. It is one of these faux canonizations. And the people, these people, they're not being prayed for. They need our prayers as they have gone through their judgment and presumably, we assume, are hopefully in purgatory. They need prayers, not that we all are down here acting like they're saints in the beatific vision when in fact the vast, 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 vast majority of, majority of them are not. That is why, for example, Tiny Princess, who is now Saint Tiny Princess, that's why that's such a remarkable thing that we can sit here and we can talk about Saint Tiny Princess. We know that she's Saint Tiny Princess. Everyone else who's above the age of reason we don't know. These people, the poor souls, need our prayers. And if it, let's be honest and let's talk about something that's unpleasant, but it needs to be discussed. If the person did not make it through their particular judgment and didn't even make it to purgatory, but are in fact damned, if, if you're praying for that person, our lady as a mediatrix of all graces is able to redistribute that to people who are in purgatory, who are forgotten. And the vast, vast majority of those people are in fact completely forgotten in this world. Nobody even remembers their name anymore. So there's a redistribution there. But it seemed to me just, you know, and I've had several times over, over the last decade or so, I have stumbled into a church and there was a funeral going on and you just look and you know, you know, everybody, the, the, the vestments are white and, you know, there's a funny laugh, ha ha, eulogy, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, the person is being faux canonized and you just say, no, this, this person has a right. This person should have a proper requiem. And so that's one of the things that as a priority in this situation that I'm in, if we can, if we can do this, we need to do this. So father requiem, not a spring chicken. He has put the call out. If there's anyone else out there who can do a backup, and it, it, it would be no problem to have two of these a week, believe me. But Father Requiem has asked me if it if I could put out the call to have 
someone else also manning uh, manning the bridge in this respect. So we'll put that out there. And let's not forget the words of, of Our Lady of Fatima that the souls fall into hell like snowflakes on a winter's day. It is yeah. the exception these days that somebody yeah. is saved. And it is, it is the extraordinary exception among those who are saved who skip purgatory altogether. And I'm not yeah. even taking into account somebody who died in the state of grace before the age of reason. I'm talking about somebody who is beyond the age of reason who manages to go, to go straight to heaven. There are accounts yeah. in, the, in the history of the church. Uh, was it St. Scholastica saw her brother or St. Benedict or was it the other way around? St. Scholastica, her soul went up to heaven in the form of a dove. Okay. Yeah. And St. Benedict yeah. saw that in a mystical mm-hmm. sense. I forgot mm-hmm. which way that goes, but I knew there, there have been multiple accounts of this in, in throughout church history where uh, somebody dies and there was the mystical vision by somebody else of their of their soul ascending directly to heaven. Mm-hmm. It, it does happen. It can happen. It can happen to you if you want it. And that's, I, I keep mentioning stories about, um, you know, the, the top tier soldiers in the military, the JSOC tier one people. The one thing that comes out more than anything else, because they go through these training programs that have like 90% washout rates. They all have this attitude of, I will succeed or I'll be, I, I will either leave this course as a graduate or in a body bag. Mm-hmm. I will not quit. Mm-hmm. I will never give up. And that's the same attitude that applies in the spiritual life. If you say, my goal is heaven and I will not let anything get in my way of achieving that, you will go straight to heaven. You got to mean it. But yeah. you'll achieve it. And it's tough. And it means, especially in this day and age in this world, kind of circling back to what we were talking about the, before with TV and entertainment and just things like that, it means giving things up. It's almost certainly for almost all of us in this, you know, in the first world, in this post-Christian, post-Western civilization, it's going to mean giving things up. But, you know, I, I posted a, a compendium of quotes by St. Bernard um, earlier this week. And one of them is, there is no greater misery than false joys. And there, boy, truer words were never spoken. Truer words were never spoken. When, when you come to the realization that things that you thought in the moment were good and, and were bringing you happiness, when the realization comes later, you look back on it and say, oh my gosh, that not only was that a, a false happiness, that was dragging me into hell. Um, there, there's no greater misery. And, th- and then to look back on those and feel the sorrow and the regret. And it, it is true. There is no greater misery than false happiness. So you have to understand you're going to have to be prepared to give things up if you want to make it. So prayers for the priests who are offering masses for you. Yes. And I mean, everybody who's listening and, mm-hmm. and um, th- this is serious business. They, they are high on Satan's hit list because they're doing good work. Um, and yeah, so if, if there's a backup possibly for, for father Requiem, by all means, please uh, email podcast at barnhart.biz. The Barnhart yes. Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you found something of value in this or previous episodes and would like to return some value, please visit supernerdmedia.com for more details. And that's what Andrew, Charles, Arthur, and Jean did via PayPal and via the mailbox. Richard sent something for the sisters who cared for Tiny Princess. 
Um, Yay! I, you mentioned her early, earlier, and it's like, oh, hey, I was going to mention her a little bit later. So, yeah, uh, Richard sent something for the, the, the folks who cared for, the, the sisters, I should say, who cared for her tiny princess, and they'll be dropping off that donation tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I mentioned last podcast, uh, the P.O. box is not valid anymore. There's a new uh, email address, or not email, there's a new uh, mail address. That's at supernerdmedia.com slash donate, but you can find that there. And that's just for super nerds snail mail. My 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 address has not changed at all. My snail mail address has not changed at all. So just making sure that everybody remembers that these two things are completely separate. Yeah, super nerd slash Roman McLean. That's completely separate from Anne's um, entity organization stuff, etc. And uh, speaking of separate from uh, Matthew seventeen twenty is your expertise. I'll let you talk about that. Certainly. The Matthew 1720 initiative is full fasting twice a week. I personally do Tuesdays and Fridays, but you know, whatever. And if you need to logistically move it around as I oftentimes do, um, yeah, but full trying to do a full fast twice a week. The intention is that anti-Pope Bergoglio be publicly recognized as an anti-Pope and that the whole thing be nullified, that Um, Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope since April of 2005, that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace, and someday achieve the beatific vision, and that likewise Pope Benedict Ratzinger repent of what he's done, die in a state of grace, and someday achieve the beatific vision. Our Lady, undoer of knots, pray for us, and new, um, new, saint to pray for us in in term in this context is saint bernard who actually helped solve a a very weird pope anti-pope situation of course it's not anything close to a direct a direct analog to this because nothing is but saint saint bernard has tremendous experience and tremendous wisdom and like saint vincent ferrer like saint catherine of siena extraordinarily solicitous solicitous for all of us for absolutely everybody to get this right and for the truth to come out and tremendous advocates in this. And also don't forget um, blessed emperor Charles and a uh, servant of God, Zita, his wife who went through um, being forced by the Freemasons um, to uh, what did blessed uh, Charles do? He gave up the public administration of being the emperor of Austria, but did not abdicate the throne and went to his deathbed saying, I did not abdicate. I am still the emperor. I just gave up the public exercise of, you know, administrating so on and so forth and forced to do it by Freemasons, all part of the same Freemasonic plot. So I think that blessed Charles and Zeta are also people that we should really, really be enjoining to help to help get this whole mess straightened out. So there you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Blessed Emperor Carl, pray for us. Yay. I said it correctly. I didn't say Charles. Uh, you know, it's it depends on if you're in an English-speaking country, he's Charles. If you're in a German-speaking country, he's Carl. If you're in a Spanish, he's Carlos. And if you're Italian, he's Carlo. I'm completely tongue-in-cheek. I mean, I'm German-blooded, so I've, I've got to say that. So Okay. Anyway, uh, lest there be any confusion, until next time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. 